Um, we're in the book of Ephesians. If you need a Bible, just slip your hands up and the ushers will grab one for you. Or you can look on your phone or your tablet or whatever else you're, I don't know, if you brought your whole desktop with you. I don't know, is that a cool thing now? But the book of Ephesians chapter 2 is where we're going to be. Um, so we've been in the, in the book of Ephesians, we've been working our way through it. And essentially the, the entire first chapter, we spent a good amount of time kind of digging in and resting into what um, the Apostle Paul was doing through this, this eulogy or prayer style thing that he was doing, um, kind of this long, in the Greek, one, one long run-on sentence that we have there. And then we, we come into chapter 2, and if you can remember uh, back a couple weeks before our Surf Sunday, which was last week, um, we talked about how everything that we are and everything that we become is, is his work and not ours. It's his doing and not ours, and we can't, we can't make it work. We can't work hard enough. We can't be good enough. In fact, left on our own, we are, we are depraved and sinful individuals, but it's it, in light of Christ and what he has done for us, I've been trying to hammer this into you guys. We are holy. We are blameless. We are righteous. We have every spiritual blessing. We have the inheritance of all things, not because of whether or not we earned it or because we deserve it or because we've done enough, but because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. And then in this chapter, he kind of makes a, a turn and starts beginning to talk about something that, that honestly, it couldn't be more timely for where we are as a church. And I, I told you when we began the book of Ephesians that I felt like, um, although the Apostle Paul was writing to, to the believers in Ephesus and the surrounding areas, kind of trying to encourage them with the fact that they, they were missing the point or they were just slightly off and that they, he, wasn't, he wasn't rebuking them, but he was, he was helping them understand that there were so many things that were escaping them in the reality of how they lived and that he, they needed to understand better what it meant to be in Christ. And so we see that over and over and over again. Well, we come to this section, and I feel like today in our church, we honestly, like, the parallels between this book and, and where the church is today in general is, is just ridiculous. It is so applicable. And this week, what the Apostle Paul is talking about to us, um, culturally doesn't maybe make sense. We don't understand historically how it plays out. But when we, we apply it to the present day church, it makes so much sense. And so much, so much clarity comes out of that. So before we, before we get there, I don't know if you notice, is what's happening on Tuesday? Does anyone know what's happening on Tuesday? Election. Okay. Just out of curiosity, just, just, to, like, just, just put your hand up, but, but don't do it too quickly. Let me finish the, the disclaimer. Have you seen... Any Christian, okay, any Christian in any way, shape, or form put something divisive up on Facebook or Instagram? Raise your hand if that's the case. Okay. Have you gotten in any heated conversations with family members, friends? Raise your hands up, right? Apologies. How can you, how can you vote for that person? Well, you see, here, here's the thing. The, the amount of discord that happens around the election is, is, is saddening, but I understand people are passionate and they, they want to see the person that they want to see be president. But we have to remember, Jesus is still king. Right? In spite of whoever sits in that seat for the next four years, Jesus is still king. As, as bad as it could be or as good as it can be, Jesus is still king. He's sovereign over all things. And what I, why, why I begin with that and why I talk about the politics is because where the, where the Apostle Paul is going is, is something that I think that some of us Christians, some of us, those, those of us that profess to follow Jesus, have, have somehow forgotten this aspect. See, I don't, I don't know if you know this, but there are 59 commands in the New Testament that have one another attached to them. 59 commands. Love one another, encourage one another, admonish one another, rebuke one, rebuke one another. Greet one another with a brotherly kiss. Not a sloppy, wet, or unforeseen. So he was totally wrong, okay? So, right? Like, it, it's neither of those. Right? But it's, it's, a, it's a command in there. We're, we're commanded with one another's. And yet, 
you pick a topic, and maybe it's not a political thing. Maybe it's a, a, a secondary belief thing, or, or some people make it more primary, not something that's fixated or focused on Christ. And all of a sudden, discord and division comes. And what's dangerous, and what's so dangerous about this division is, it, look, I, we can disagree all day long. In fact, I, I think it's awesome to disagree. But we're called to disagree in unity. And see, that's the problem, is I think most of us, if we disagree on something, then well, then we hate each other. Or they're lesser than us. Or we're higher than them. And maybe none of us would say that outright, or some of us would, and that's a whole other sermon. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> but this whole hierarchy that we put in place, I mean, you pick any, any agenda out there, race, abortion, politics, gender, right? We got all kinds of these topics that come. And what happens, whether it's Facebook or, or it's just in person, individually, we start doing this, which I'm all for. And that's good. Jesus was all about a good little argument. But he always did it in a very healthy and gracious and loving and truthful way. And what I see across the board in the church most of the time is that when we disagree, we divide. We divide and therefore it's them who we won't talk about anymore. And the Apostle Paul coming out of this brilliant first chapter of in Christ, your inheritance, and in Christ, and in him, and in him, and in him, going straight into the chapter two where he's talking about, look, uh, before Christ we were dead, but he has risen us. He has made us alive with Christ. And there is, in light of that, in light of us being alive with Christ, then he comes in to this next section. For first century Gentiles, this next section would have been an absolutely amazing, liberating feeling all across the board. For us today, we're like, oh, neat, okay. So we'll hopefully unpack that a little bit. Chapter 2, verse 11. It says, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at the same time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the division wall, dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Okay, so what's, so what's happening here? So the Apostle Paul, again, I've, I've kind of pushed on us through the entire book of Ephesians. He keeps using this word, us. Uh, Paul was a Jewish man. He was, he was a very, very well-educated Jewish man. And, and the letter he's writing to are mostly um, Gentile people. They were, not, they were not Jewish of Jewish descent, or they were maybe some kind of mixed half-breeds, some like half-Jewish, half-not. And, and this is the group of people they're at. Well, in this time, around this time, we saw it in Jesus, it, when Jesus was walking as well, so just before Jesus and, and through, there was this hostility that happened where the Jewish people thought of themselves as higher or better or greater than the Gentile people. 
And they did that because of, if you go all the way back to the Old Testament, because God choosing the Israelites to be his people. And what the, what the Jews had done before Jesus set on scene, this is unpacking a lot of stuff, what they had done before he sets on, on scene is they had taken that position and they had moved it into a spot of arrogance. As opposed to, to the whole time, the purpose was for them to be a light to point to the glory of God. They were to be a people that, that God could show his deliverance and his, his, his grace and his love and his peace. That's what the purpose of those people being chosen. It wasn't because they were, well, more likely to follow him. We, we saw that. Man, you can watch them in the desert. They were really bad at that, just like us. It wasn't because they happened to be like this perfect set of it, but instead what they, he chose these people to display his glory to display his grace, to display his deliverance. And so these, these Jewish followers of God when, had been praying and, and hoping and knowing of the, the Messiah that was to come through, the, through a descendant of a Jewish family. And so they knew of this Abrahamic uh, covenant, the David, Davidic covenant, all these covenants that were promises that were there. They're the Messiah's coming through our line. We are the people of God. And so then when Jesus came on, what ended up happening is they kind of, instead of, instead of them kind of abandoning what they were, they, they, they took what they were and came into Christ. And some of them stood in hostility to Christ. Say, so you're not the Messiah because you're not what we pictured and all the laws we've been following. But a lot of the, the Jewish people that kind of surrendered to Christ in that time were upholding some of the Jewish laws. We even see this, this in, the, in the book of Acts where, where Apostle Paul has to confront Peter. Good old Peter. The guy's getting confronted by Jesus and then Jesus is gone. Paul's doing it, right? Like he's, he's saying like you can't, because Peter's trying to get them to hold onto some Jewish laws to be followers of Jesus. And the Apostle Paul's like, what are you talking about? This doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. When, when Christ came, he leveled the playing field. He, he, did, he did away with all of those things. Not that they were bad, but he did away in a sense that everyone now has access to the throne room of God, but through Christ and Christ alone. And so we see this kind of unfolding of this. So what the Apostle Paul's doing is he's talking about circumcision and uncircumcision. Well, the Jews in that day would know that they were all circumcised because that was a physical act of circumcising themselves to, to align themselves as holy or set-apart people for God. The Apostle Paul, and we also see, talks about a circumcision of the heart. And so the Apostle Paul's calling all these things, saying, don't you remember you were once them and, and we were once this way? And then he's saying, no, it doesn't, it doesn't matter anymore. That was done in the flesh. What God is doing is something so much bigger. And it's all established on the fact that first we have to identify ourselves with Christ. So I love that the Apostle Paul did this. The first chapter is identity. Who are we in Christ? Who are you in Christ? You're holy and blameless. You're righteous. You have every spiritual blessing. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. Those that have surrendered their lives to Jesus, this is who you are. Now, I know that we all love our, like, uh, I love a good, like, shoot 'em up kind of movie. I just do. And you know where, like, the one guy, like, beats everyone in the world, like the Lone Ranger? It's just awesome. I love that. That is not the picture of the kingdom of God. Let me just say this really clearly right now. Some of you right now, you have, you have allowed yourself to kind of be here by proximity, but you are isolated by all extent. You're super busy doing a lot of stuff, but no one really knows you. And you are, you are not known, and you don't know very many people, and you are just kind of isolated. And you, be, you think, oh, I'm good enough. I can just do this on my own. That is, that is not the way that God designs his kingdom. In fact, that's the purpose of this section. It's a really interesting section, actually because it's kind of pivotal on this one big statement, which is you are one in Christ. 
And so this whole Lone Ranger idea doesn't make sense. So when we talk about the church, and you hear the church talked about, whether it's me or you're reading it or you're understanding it, the church is not this building. Well, obviously not this building, right? This is a school. But the church is an individual collectively with other individuals. This is where the 59 one another's come into play. Right? So, so our covenantal relationship with God is, is, is tied and bled into each other. And so the church is individuals working together. In fact, the end of chapter one, the fullness of Christ is displayed in us. Right? So this is this, this us together, the church. And so what is he saying specifically to them that we can apply today? So he, he uses this statement near and far, right? He says those who, you, those who are near and those who are far, he's, God has preached peace to both of those. Jesus has, has preached peace to both of those. Well, in, in this day, the near were, you know, were the, were the Jewish followers. The people that had been around God their whole life, and they'd been raised up in the Old Testament and the law, and they, they'd understood all those things, and then Jesus came in and, and, and captured their heart. And they realized, just like the beginning of chapter 2, that they can't do it on their own. They can't work the system well enough to make it. There isn't enough sacrifices that they can do to be right before God. It's the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that does that. So those were the near. Those who were far were displayed by the Gentiles. And then the Gentiles were people that, that had pagan gods, and they, they spent a lot of time working um, their a million different kind of gods and idols and doing all those things. So they, were, they didn't have the Jewish law. They weren't raised in, in, in the Jewish upbringing. They didn't understand necessarily a lot of the Old Testament covenant. They didn't speak through or uphold all of the laws that were in place. They were dirty people in minds of the Jews. And so they did not mix together. They were hostile to each other. And it's interesting, the Apostle Paul says twice, removing hostility in the section. Removing hostility, removing hostility. Well, how's that working for our Facebook right now, guys? Right, removing hostility. And so he's got, we've got these near people, the Jews, that were coming and, and, and Christ preached peace to them. He, he saved them from working out their salvation, trying to do it on their own. He saved them from realizing that they can't do enough good things to be right before God. They just need Christ. And then to the Gentiles, he came to them and said they didn't have the, the system. They didn't feel like they needed to work. Instead, he saved them from their false gods, which would be most of us, if we're not of Jewish descent, would be most of us would be Gentiles. He saved us from, from, from pagan gods, from idolship, from, from death, and he preached peace to us. So for maybe an example, a better example today would be those who are near were, were those that were raised in the church, right? When I said, turn to the book of Ephesians 2, you were like the first person there, done. Look, check out these Awana badges, right? Like you had all this stuff, right? Like you had ripped it out. Like you've just been in and around the church, and you just know the, the scripture and you know, you know the truth of God's word. And, and I pray for this story to be my kids' story that they don't know a day when they weren't following the Lord, that they just have always been in that. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. But those of you are new, are near. You had, you had a family that, that loved the Lord and, and led you in that. And, and in that time, you, you, you got saturated, your heart got taken, and you came to know the Lord. And then there are some of you that are still looking for the book of Ephesians in here, right? Like, I don't even know, what, what is this Ephesians thing, right? You're like, I haven't even gotten there. You've, you, didn't, you weren't raised in church. In fact, your upbringing was hard. You didn't have parents that loved you. In fact, maybe it was, it was abusive. And you had spent a, a season of life or maybe a lifetime or even up to this day just in, in hatred and bitterness towards God. 
And so you weren't about following any God things. In fact, you were kind of hostile to your friends or, or individuals or family members that said they did. But in that hostility, God broke down your walls and your barriers. And even though you were a complete, broken, hurt, hurt mess, he showed you what grace can do to that person. And so he preached peace to you. So we have, in this room, we have people that were, you know, wanna champions and, and, and maybe drug dealers. And, and God comes in and just preaches peace to all through Jesus Christ. And no longer is the Awana badge person at a higher level than the drug dealer, right? Because neither are known by what they were done. They're both called child of God. He renames the drug dealers. You're no longer a drug dealer. It's like, no, you're my precious son or daughter. He renames the Awana champion. No, 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 that's not you. You're my, you're my child. I, I want to add a, a third group to this, the, the, the kind of the church planting organizations and everyone, they, they call them the group that the, the de-churched. I'm going to call them the nearish group, okay? You're the people that have been maybe hurt by the church. Maybe recently in the Facebook post, you're like, this is what the church is about. I'm out, right? But you've been, you've been burned or hurt. You kind of, you spent a lot of time around the church, but never really kind of got into it. Never really understood what it meant or you looked at other people as sold out going like, they're crazy. They spend way too much time doing that stuff. And it's just like church isn't, isn't really... I mean, it's just something you do occasionally. You're the, you're the nearest group. You've spent a lot of time figuring out the systems that you need to do to kind of be in place, and then you've gotten burned by them. And maybe you're here today, and you're going, okay, I've been burned again, and I've been burned again. This is my last straw. I'm done. I, I can't uphold these things. I keep trying to do the systems, and I, and I get let down every single time. I try and get in community, and I get, I get completely cut off. And I try and, I try and read God's Word, and it's just, it's just dead to me, and I don't understand it. And you're this, you're this near-ish group. My, my, heart, my heart breaks for you because you, you, you have so much knowledge of God's Word, but it's not sinking into your heart. You're not really applying God's Word to your, to your life. You're just kind of maintaining the close proximity. See that, that group? Jesus preaches peace to that group as well. And you've seen it. If you've ever experienced anyone that's been burned by the church, which... I won't even ask for a show of hands because unfortunately it's probably more than it should be. Where despite the shortcomings of other individuals or other followers of Jesus, despite the sinfulness or the choices made by other people, you realize that, that, that Jesus still brings peace to that group. And so we have this group of, of people that, that now, the, the, the near-ish, the near and the far, that it's like, okay, you're a church, now go. Now what could go wrong with that, Right? What, what, what are the issues that come from that? Well, well, think about it. You got people that have been raised in the church for so long that are probably prone to, not always, but prone to self-righteousness. You got people over here that are just so new in faith that they come in and they're like, I don't know, Jesus loves me, this is awesome. And they're like drinking and getting drunk and they're like, I, wait, I'm not supposed to do that? Wait, what's going on here? Right, the, the Spirit of God is preaching peace to every single individual. And yes, there should be some growth in that. And yes, we should gain um, insight and knowledge. And this is the mystery that he talks about before this. He, he prays that it sets into our hearts and so that who we were before Christ is drastically different because Christ is changing us, not behavior modification. So he's preaching peace to those who are far and are near. Now to us today, we're like, oh, cool. We all have a chance to come to Jesus. Great. But to the Gentiles, I can tell you right now, I bet there were some that were dancing with joy 
at this text. Because for so long they were told, not just in action, not just in word, but in both, over and over and over again, is you will never, ever amount to worthy enough. You cannot be worthy enough because you are not of Jewish descent. It's where, where sometimes some of us, we, we, we view people of other race or, or of other nationalities or other upbringings or other social economic status, and we, we start viewing them as less than, as second-class citizens. When, when the Apostle Paul doesn't say you are one except for a few of these financial differences, and he just says you are one. I didn't study it in the Greek, but I'm pretty sure that one translates one, Okay. There's not, there's not another, like, maybe it means a lot of ones. No. We are one in Christ. And so he says, those of you that were near, those of you that were far, and out of the group the nearest, Jesus preaches peace to you. So, so he's, he's, he's preached peace to you, which is why probably most of you are here today. You've experienced that peace, or you've heard that peace, or you, you hope for that peace, and you see it. So then what God has done in this in this in this text is through the person and work of Jesus Christ. He takes those who are near, those who are far, and makes them a people. He makes them a, a one people. And then, he, and then he defines them as the same. This is really interesting. He says, you were all once sojourners or aliens, which is, a, which is an, a term to us that we wouldn't necessarily make sense. But, but what, the way it's being used here is you all once were people that were in a land that wasn't your own which is a unique thing to say to a lot of these people because some of them were like, hey, I was like my great, 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 great. Like, I'm, I'm like rooted in this. This is my home. And he, 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 he plays that out and says, no, 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 look. In Christ now, the land you're in, you are all, you're all aliens to this place. You're all soldiers, which is crazy because think about it this way. To be an alien in this day and age meant you had zero rights. To us, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Maybe we can see it some of the the, the tensions that happen through um, race and other areas of, of the United States. But really in Idaho, it's, it's, it's hard for us to see it front and center. It, it's, it's happening. But for the most part, any one of us at any point can dial 911 and a police officer is going to show up. I mean, shoot, if you call for a cat, I bet the SWAT team around here shows up. They're just looking for something to do, right? Like cats in a tree, get them all over your helicopter flying in, right? Like it's out of control, right? <laughs> But because we're citizens, we have this right. In this day and age, if you weren't a citizen, you had no rights. You had no rights. And it was just steeped in and, and through the church. You saw it in, in the way that women were treated and the slaves were treated and, and, and Gentiles and Jews. It was just this kind of this hierarchy thing that people kept trying to, to make fit into God's kingdom. And, and Paul's saying, well, I, I preach peace to all of you. And you were once aliens, and you were in this sojourners. You had no rights. But now, now, I don't want to get it right here. He says, you are citizens. You are citizens of the covenant of God, brought near by the Lord Jesus Christ's blood being spilled for us. So we now have a home. You and I are the household of God. I have special access. We're not visiting we're home. And that's not a we're home here on this earth. No, we're home in his kingdom. We, we, we pray for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. We, we desire for all things to be made new. But we're home. We're no longer aliens. We're no longer strangers. We have direct access, if you are in Christ, to 
the Father who created you. And so we have all of those spiritual blessings. Now, he says, well, how does this happen? So in verse um, 19, he says, So then you are no longer strangers aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. That's essentially the um, best way, to, simplest way to describe that. That's the people of God preaching God's word. Okay, it's the reason why today we're in the scriptures, because there is no authority except for the scriptures. I don't have any authority in this. this is, it's God's word that is the authority in our lives. And that, that maybe is, is something that maybe some of us should spend some time studying. But it's God's people preaching God's word and, and submitting to the authority of God's word is what we're called to do as followers of Jesus. He's not just our Savior. He is our Lord, and he speaks to us through his word. His word has everyday application to how we are to live in light of the grace and the peace that we receive from him. And so it's the apostles and, and preaching. And then he goes on. And this, is, this is the key. This is the part that I feel like if anyone was, was misunderstanding or wondering what was happening in the truth of this, that they were saying, wait, wait, let me, let me understand this correctly. So we're all one. Well, how, how does that happen? And in, in, in their day, it would be a group of people and this people, and that's, well, this, it was because of this famous person and this famous person. He says, no, 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 no. It's the people of God preaching God's word. That's, that's how you're being built together but it's, it's on the foundation, built on the foundation of Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. We can have every single amazing initiative and excitement and push for every kind of justice, this, but if it's not founded and the cornerstone isn't Christ, it's useless. It's useless. And maybe some things will happen, but it's not, it's our own strength, it's our own, our own power, our own lordship, our own accolades. Everything needs to be founded on Christ. He is our cornerstone. He is, he is the one who preaches peace to us. He is the one that calls us from near and far. And then he goes on and says, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. It's in Christ that this, this church grows. It's in Christ that we, we can experience these things. It's not, it's not because we're good at it. It's, it's all founded on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. This is, the, this is the front and center truth of everything in the scriptures. Is, is Jesus Christ is who he says he is. If, if, he's, if, he, if he's who the scriptures say he is, if he's that person, well then everything is founded and run through Jesus Christ. Everything in the Old Testament speaks of his coming. Everything in the New Testament is how we live in light of his coming until he comes again. Everything is founded on him. He says this really interesting thing at the end. He says you're, you're being built into this dwelling place for God, which that would have been a really radical thing for them to hear. I've been to Israel. I've seen the temple, what's standing in place. It is still a massive, massive area. And again, to the Jewish believers, and even to the Gentile believers, the Gentiles knew that is a place at which we were not welcome to go. We had a court that we were allowed, but we couldn't go in and into the, some of the more holy places. Because all of the centralized of everything that God was, 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 was on the temple. It was in place on the temple. So, so you, couldn't, you couldn't be right before God without sacrificing at the temple. You couldn't, you, if you wanted to experience God, then you went to the temple. And so everything was done on that. And he's saying, no, 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 no. Look, the temple's being rebuilt, but it's not being built with mortar or wood or brick or stone. It's being rebuilt with individuals. It's being built with you. As you follow Jesus, you are 
the temple. You are experiencing God's rebuilding his church and his, his central worship place, not around a, a building or structure, around the people of God, preaching God's word. So we, we are now a temple. One of, the, one of the, the, the purposes of the church, and we'll get to this later, but it's in Ephesians 3.10. So if you just look down a little bit on the same page. Just before it says in 9, Apostle Paul is kind of talking about what, like, what the gospel he was made to be a minister of. And he says, to me, through I am the very least of all saints. He goes on, and to bring to light to everyone what is the plain and mystery hidden for ages in the world. God who created all things. So that, this is it, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So this manifold wisdom is, is, is varied, uh, immense, uh, like all kinds. It's kind of the word that would be pictured for a, a huge kind of quilt idea, like plenty of different patches and things together. But when it's done together, it makes this absolutely, amazingly huge, one beautiful image. So somehow, you and me, being the temple of God, being brought together, whether our stories are drastically different, our upbringing is different, our skin is different, or wherever we stand, somehow, God says that when we are together, the most brilliant and multicolored beauty and wisdom of God is displayed to this world. So that begs two questions, and then we'll, we'll close up. If God is making a church, he's making a people, well, then that, that begs two questions. First is, well, a number of things. What does this really mean for us, okay? Besides the fact that yours and my purpose is to bring glory to Christ, besides the fact that, that, that every single thing, every single time that we hear about God's grace for us, it's so that he, we can display his glory. God's chosen people to display his grace, his glory, his working. So besides all of that, there's a couple other small little things we can do. First one is obvious. Um, we should look like the beauty of God. We should, as a collective image, should look like the beauty of God. Well, that lends itself to a little bit of a problem, right? Because the way that we fight isn't very beautiful. The way that we serve, or lack thereof sometimes, isn't very beautiful. If there are 59 one another's in the New Testament alone, then that means the church should be full of grace, love, and truth. There should be smaller communities around the world passionately displaying the beauty of God through the way that we live with one another. You know, every single pastor desires so badly to be like an Acts 2 church. You ask any pastor, it's like, oh, I just would love to be an Acts 2 church. You know, everyone giving away everything. No one has need and everything's amazing. And what was happening around that church, and I think it was so beautiful, is that it wasn't any one individual that was doing it perfectly right. It was that the group was doing this amazingly beautiful, incredible thing so that when people came and saw that community, they're looking at it, it's like, I want some of that. Like, I know what I have, and I have a good amount of money, but, but that's different. The way they treat each other, the way they love each other, the way that they forgive one another, it doesn't make sense, and I want some of that. So if we're to display the manifold wisdom of God, then that means that there's going to have to be some more beauty from Christ in our lives. So you know what that means? I'm going I'm to teach you two words that I think the church just, just, we just need to learn and own. Ready? Well, okay, maybe more than two. <laughs> the first one is, if you, if you can, just, just try to, to keep your mouth shut sometimes. Right? 
I mean, like, I know it's like, I know mom always say, if you don't got nothing nice to say, don't say it at all, right? Like, that's, my mama didn't say that, and I'm not from the South, so I don't know why I said it that way. But either way, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but seriously, and, and maybe I need to say this differently, don't type it, okay? Maybe we were all really good when around people to kind of holding our tongue, but something about that screen makes us just kind of go loco, right? And we just start writing the dumbest things sometimes. But here's, here's what we need to learn, because here's what's going to happen. I promise you. This week, you guys can all make note of this and be like, dang it, he was right. You're going to do something wrong. Sinful, hurtful, stupid. We're all going to do that, right? This is what I want you to learn. Forgive me. I sinned. Not, well, I wouldn't have done this if you didn't and just, uh, uh, no. Forgive me. What I did was wrong. Please forgive me. That's it. No big, long disclaimer. No big, long, like, reasons as to why you justify the actions that were not Christ-like. Say, please forgive me. What I did was wrong. And, and whether they say, yeah, I forgive you, or they do what some of us other Christians, this is for the Christians that do this, okay? Well, yeah, you were wrong. Because <laughs> now you're going to have to come back and say, will you forgive me for that? Like, it's just this whole, like, right? Like, this cycle. <laughs> Whether they say, I forgive you or not, like you, it's as far as it depends on you to be at peace with all men. Well, just in case you're wondering, that's the church. So who are you not at peace with? Who are you harboring bitterness towards? Maybe there is justifiable hurt, sin, wrongdoings, but I, I want to I just be really clear and say this. The peace that Jesus preaches can reach anyone no matter how far gone they are. I don't care how horrible of a person they were, Christ can make them new. You, do you believe in that power? Because I think some of us in our unwillingness to forgive or ask for forgiveness is because we don't believe in that power. So we should look more beautiful. I, one of the other things, I, I keep looking in the scriptures, and I'm not the most wise scholar in the world, but, but I keep looking for this... Um, competition in the church thing? Like, where is it? Like, where are we supposed to compete with each other? And I can't find it. So let me just say this. Is this small C church here at Rev? We're not, we're not the only church doing God's work. There's plenty of amazingly beautiful churches doing God's work. So don't, don't sit on this, like, pride of look what we're doing. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'm going to push on the, the college ministries for a second. There's a lot of college ministries represented here. Your ministry isn't higher than the other. You're both being Christ where God has got you. So stop that arrogance and that pride. That is essentially the same thing the Jews were doing to the Gentiles that the Apostle Paul abolishes in this one sentence. And then the second thing we can take from this, and then we'll, we'll end up here. The second thing we can take from this is this. We have been commissioned as a church. So not only are we supposed to display beauty in the fact that we don't carry around bitterness or unforgiveness because the Apostle, or because Christ has taken that from us. Not only do we, do we have the freedom from that, but we are called to be salt and light. You, you are actually called to be light to this dark, dark world. So that means a, a couple things, church. First off, you need each other. No lone rangers are going to do well in this city. You send one light person into a massively dark room, it, it's dangerous. So gather, pray, work together. S secondly, it, be the light that God has created in you. 
It's not like you have to do anything of this. And I'm trying so hard to not get the do because Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 gets us to the doing stuff. But, but we're, we're called to be light. And so if we're a church that's going to display the, the manifold wisdom of God, if we're going to, we're going to, we're, people are going to sense and see the fullness of Christ in us, then, then, then let's be light. Let's, 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 let's do the Great Commission. Sorry, I went to do. Don't, well, wait, don't do that. No, do it now, but pretend I'm talking about it in chapter 4. Be light and salt. Make disciples. We're, we're called to be making disciples. So that means where you go to coffee, you actually spend some time getting known. Here's, here's one. I, I'm just going to, for every single person that's ever served in here, I actually have never served, but my wife has, so she's drilled this into my head. Tip your server, <laughs> okay? This is the worst one. You know what? Like, people still to this day hate working Sundays because church people are terrible tippers. Isn't that, isn't that sad? Isn't that, it, like, it, we should be marked by generous, generosity, not because we're, we have a lot of money, but because we have everything we need in Christ. Be light. When you, when you buy coffee, be light. When you're at school or at work, be the light of God. And that means in your interactions, you, you, you display the light of God. You know what that doesn't mean? Let me just clear this up. That doesn't mean you have to have it all together. In fact, here's the best thing you can do. When you mess up, because you will, to the person next to you, to your roommate or someone that doesn't know the Lord, it's like, hey, you ask them for forgiveness. Hey, that doesn't display what I believe in Jesus. I'm sorry. Forgive me for that. That was wrong. Mind blown, right? We're called to be the beauty of God, and, and I, I can't help but think that maybe when this election will over, is over, the dust will settle, people will start loving each other again. And just until the next thing, right? It's just until the next thing, and the issue isn't the election or race or abortion or any of these other things. It's not any of those things. The issue is, is, is Christ and our understanding of who he is. And I play. Now, I, I want to be clear. We, we will divide as a church. I, I, I want to say that. And this is, I, I hesitate because some of you are going to be like, yes, I got a way to divide. Like, right, you're already looking for it. No, the truth of Jesus is not one that's pleasing to all. Jesus is very clear. He says, you want to come after me, then you got to die to yourself. So if you're interacting with a friend that isn't dying to themselves, that's bearing the name of Christ, it's, it's, it's your job as a follower of Jesus to, to lovingly walk with them. In fact, blessed is the man who turns his brother from sinners. That's 1 John. Right? So we, we are called to walk. And there are going to be times when you're going to stand on truth of God's word. And I mean like truth of Jesus Christ, not truth in how you want to view some political thing. Okay? And that will cause division. There is division, but that division is at Christ. That's where the dividing line is. If you want to know where it is, it's, it's Jesus Christ. It's you're either with or you're without. You're either for Christ or against Christ. That's our division. And there may be times when you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna, you're gonna lovingly show someone that you have a relationship with the grace and truth of God is, and they're going to run. They're going to hate you. They're going to divide. Pray for them. Forgive them. Pursue them. Be the church. Because, look, if we can't forgive, then that's going to cut kind of at the root of, well, our forgiveness. Because Jesus says very clearly, you're to forgive as he has forgiven us. So that's without contingencies. I'll forgive you when. Just apply that to God. See if he does that to you. It doesn't work. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, you have created a, a church 
um, of absolutely disgustingly broken, sinful people. And we do a really good job of, of messing it up. And I'm just thankful that it's not contingent on us building it, but you. I'm thankful that um, in you we can, we can be whole. We can be, we can be righteous. We can be blameless and holy. God, I thank you for uh, creating the church. I thank you for the hope that we can be, and I pray for the hope to, to be there, Lord. I pray for specifically this time when we, maybe it's, it's you know, New Year's, we kind of think about, well, it's a new year, we should try something different. Maybe around elections, we kind of think about our future differently. So maybe this is a time for us to recognize that our hope is not in any political system, but in Jesus Christ alone. And that our hope isn't in um, someone else being the church, but our hope is in that we are the church and that you are the head of that church and you are the foundation of that church and you are the cornerstone of that church and we don't move, breathe, or do anything apart from what you do, Jesus Christ. So we pray, God, I pray for your church to look more like your church, not for um, some small C church name, but for the name of Jesus alone. I pray for the individuals in here that maybe are harboring bitterness or anger or resentment or unforgiveness, whatever it may be. God, I pray that you give them um, actually, you know what? I pray, God, that you wreak havoc on the hearts. <laughs> I pray that you just destroy them. You break them down. You, you bring up whoever this person is in their mind, and you just, you don't let them let go of that until they receive and let go of forgiveness. Maybe there is serious, serious damaging hurt there, God. I pray for safe people to walk them through that. God, I pray for the nearish people, the deters, the people that maybe are around the church but still not really sure that, that, that she's all she's cracked up to be. God, I pray that they would recognize very quickly that she is your bride. And I can't imagine how um, feisty I would be if people attacked my bride. Yet you, as a loving and amazing father, put the most gracious, loving, and selfless person to lead your bride in Jesus Christ. And so may we be um, surrendered and submitted to him as Lord and Savior. And out of that, Lord, would you show what you, you can do through your church for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.